Then you will truly be successful. And we know all things work together for the good. Gotta work together. The good. Gotta work together. And we know all things work together for the good. Gotta work together. The good. To those who love God, He has word on your lips. To those who are called, meditate on His day and night. According to Be His purpose, to do purpose. It's His purpose, not mine. And we know all things work together for the good. Gotta work together. The good. Gotta work together. And we know all work together for the good, together. the good, to those who love God, keep that word on your lips, to those who are called, meditate on your according to Be his purpose, purpose, it's his purpose, not mine. It's day 41 of our 90 day challenge and we are back in the book of Daniel. Read with me this morning. This afternoon, this evening, Daniel, the third chapter, the first through the 18th verse. Daniel, the third chapter, the first through the 18th verse. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold, 60 cubits high and six cubits wide, and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. He then summoned the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image he had set up. So the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and they stood before it. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, nations and peoples of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, and all kinds of music, all the nations and peoples of every language fell down and worshiped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. At this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, May the king live forever. Your majesty has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold, and that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some... There's some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king and King Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image, I made very good. 
But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to King Nebuchadnezzar, King, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hands. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. And that ends our reading for today. Day 41, and I'm going to give it to you bluntly. Don't compromise your calling for a check. Listen, I know what it is like to look at your bills and see no relief. I know what it's like to be desperately waiting for a moment for the world to catch up with the goodness and greatness that God has deposited inside of you. But still, do not compromise your call for a check. Whenever we do that, we communicate to God, number one, I don't trust you. Number two, you need my help in order to make this happen. And what we see from the three Hebrew boys is that they are unwaveringly respectful and decisive around what they will and will not do. They say, surely the Lord will deliver us from this fiery furnace. But if not, we still will not bow. But if not, I still will not compromise. I know personally the pain of compromising just to get a check. And every time I did it, I regretted it. Save yourself some purpose dollars by saying no, even when you're tempted to say yes, because God will take care of you. I'll never forget the day I inherited the name, the nickname, God's Child. I was a high school church boy. I carried a huge Bible in my book bag that was really, really, really heavy. But I was too ashamed to kind of pull it out. So I would wait until no one was looking. And I read this huge Bible in the library next to the encyclopedia section all by myself. Or I would run to the bathroom to read a quick devotional and then I'd go to my next class. No matter how much I tried to hide it, everybody knew, though, I was different. So much so that when we started a step team, we all picked nicknames for each other. Platinum Sounds was the name of our step team. When they got to me, though, everyone yelled church boy or child of God. It was quite funny until someone compared my impact on them to a popular group named Destiny's Child. And to make it unique, they remixed it to God's Child. That day, I ran home. I went on AOL. Y'all remember AOL with the dial up? And if somebody got on the phone and messed up your connection, come on, y'all. Do I have any people that know about AOL? When I went to AOL, I made a screen name for myself. All of the regular spellings were taken, so I added a Z to make it unique. God's Child. So there, my nickname became God's Child. Little did I know that a seed was being planted. Little did I know that my mother later would decide to start my company and buy all of the paperwork in New Jersey for my business, God's Child Incorporated. All of this happened when I was 17 years old. We needed a name and she said God's Child. So my first car, of course, had God's Child branded on the window. And now almost 20 years later, I own a company. God's Child Productions and God's Child Publications as a vision that helps to center the voiceless and the marginalized. That name 
has had a special meaning to me all of my life. It perfectly describes who I am in him, and it reminds me that we are all God's children, 1 John 4 and 4. But one day, someone suggested that I change the name. They said I may not appeal to certain ethnic groups because it was too churchy and a little bit too urban. But my mother stopped me in my tracks. She reminded me of who I was and whose I was. She reminded me of the significance embedded in that name. She was so serious and so honest with me that day. And I listened to her, especially when she said, Sean, never let anyone change your name. Even if you decide to one day evolve your company into something else, make sure it is you that has made that decision and not the critique of others outside of you. In Daniel 3, we hear of three bold men who stood up for God when everyone else was bowing to a nine story high statue made of gold. King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon required that every citizen bow down to worship this statue. But these three were different. Their real names, as we learned earlier, were Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah. But the governing rulers changed their names to Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego in the hopes that they would forget who they were. But they did not. They instead endured harsh persecution. And even though they were in Babylon, they never let Babylon get in them. Daniel's name as well was changed to Belteshazzar. But here is what is so interesting. We typically call the three Hebrew boys by their new name, but somehow we call Daniel by his original name, the name he was given before the powers that be changed it. What does Daniel mean, you ask? Daniel's name means God is my judge. I love that. Could it be that Daniel, who in today's reading, decided to boldly proclaim his love and commitment to God by opening his window and praying unashamedly, thought not just about his witness, but could it also be that he thought about his name? Could it be that God is calling us to live out the meaning of our names? I don't know for sure. But I do know that God does all things well. Even the small things have deep meaning, in my opinion. Even though the edict created by King Darius decreed one thing, Daniel 6 and 10 says this. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. What if God is challenging us? to go back to doing what we did before. If you woke up early to pray before, go back to it again. If you boldly proclaim God's child in high school, do it again. The Bible says that Daniel wasn't just praying words, he was asking for help. The group of men responsible for tattling on Daniel found him praying to God for help. Why? Because God was Daniel's judge, not King Darius. God was responsible for Daniel not King Darius. And even though the group of men conspired to see Daniel defeated, God shut the mouths of the lions. And the last verse we read today says this. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus, the Persian. Now, I don't know about you, but this body of mine has been trying to steal all the shine lately. Our bodies will tempt us to go farther than we've ever gone to meet a need we won't even have tomorrow for the ultimate goal of delaying or distracting us from destiny. 
Daniel was keenly aware of this, which is why he prayed as hard as he did. No doubt about it. Daniel was a prayer warrior. His entire life teaches me to combat temptation with prayer. Daniel was a model disciple in every aspect of the word because he refused to succumb to the subtle temptations of this world. Instead, he was willing to starve for the sake of the Savior. He was willing to inconvenience himself for the purpose of glorifying God. Daniel embodied Luke 9:23. He was willing to deny himself, take up his cross and follow God. Remember now, when Daniel decided to discipline his body and when Daniel refused to obey the order of the day, he did not know he would be written about for decades and centuries to come. Daniel didn't do it for the likes. Daniel didn't do it for the followers. Daniel did this out of his obedience to God. And I believe our Christianity is not concretized by what we do only. Our Christianity is also concretized by what we don't do. Daniel refused to bow. Daniel 1 and 8 says, but Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. This world is so tantalizing. This world is so enticing, isn't it? But what will you resolve not to do? Because you know it defiles you. What are you willing to let go of? Not because your works save you, but because your life requires a relinquishing of your desires and a full embrace of God's assignment. What separates babes in Christ from the spiritually mature is our obedience. It's what we do when nobody is watching. It's how we live when the threat of persecution, affliction, judgment and death confront us. So how obedient are you? Are you obedient to God, even if it inconveniences you? Are you obedient enough to be the one, the only one standing and praying in the face of conformity and watered down faithfulness to God? Daniel was. He was a soldier in God's army. His life became a light God could use to display his glory. And what if God wants to do the same for you? What if God wants to get more out of you? But the idols are in the way of full surrender. What if God is calling you to a fast so you can focus on him without interruption? I believe God is calling each of us to go deeper on this 40th day of our 90 day challenge. But remember, fasting without prayer is just a diet. Fasting without a commitment to focus specifically on God is just starvation. Jensen Franklin said this. Unless you put prayer with your fasting, there is no need to fast. If it doesn't mean anything to you, it won't mean anything to God. Moses fasted. Elijah fasted. 40 days, Elijah fasted. Paul fasted 14 days. Jesus fasted 40 days. If the children of God do not fast, how will we ever fit into the armor of God? With that said, all of us need to shout amen. Sovereign God, Sovereign King, I trust in you, I trust in you. Sovereign God, Sovereign King, I trust in you, I trust in you. Come on. Sovereign God, Sovereign King, I trust in you, I trust in you. Come on, say. Sovereign God, Sovereign Yeah. And we will sing Hallelujah. 
Control. Right here, he's in control. 